Welcome to the Cal Park Bros podcast hosted by Terrence and Jason. A couple of anti-heroes similar to Black Adam played by Dwayne Johnson. In fact, one of the hosts even looks like Black Adam. Come to think of it, have you ever seen Jason and Dwayne Johnson together in the same place at the same time? Hashtag secret identity. Welcome to the Calpar Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in from the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? Hey, it's good, son. It's another record day with the Calpar Bros, so you know I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm sure you are, too. We're matching shirts. It's been a while. Terrence, you need to find his great hat so we can be Calpar Bros twins. That'd be awesome. Be real bros. We ride together. We die together. Calpar Bros for life. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. This is episode 60 of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast of fans of sports, current events, and entertainment. And as always, we're your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast for more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But please do not forget that the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, Follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. And like Terrence said earlier, we are the podcast you hear and watch. So make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. All right. Uh, first segment of the show, uh, we're going to get a little bit into the discussion about raising the uh, age limit uh, for uh, uh, buying and owning semi-automatic rifles. Um, and this has been, Jason, this has been the talk of the town since, well, really, this has been the talk of the town for, even longer than this year, but it's a hotter topic now because you've had just a, an onslaught of um, mass shootings. You got the Buffalo shooter at the grocery store. You got the Uvalde shooter at the, at the, at the elementary school. And the fact is both of those shooters, incredibly young, as soon as they were legal, they made a decision to pick up uh, not to pick up um, a semi-automatic rifle and do damage. Um, and granted, Uvalde isn't anywhere near New York. Um, the fact that the state of New York is considering a bill that raises the age to buy and own a semi-automatic rifle is noteworthy because it's a national story because it's affecting all of us. So, 
the New York legislator legislature voted Thursday this past Thursday to ban anyone under age 21 from buying or possessing a semi-automatic rifle, uh, which is a major change uh, to firearm law, um, laws that have been on the books. So it's impossible to look at that and say, OK, that's not a response to the Buffalo shooting. Now, of course, in a, in a stat that's not going to surprise a lot of people, passed along party lines, 43 to 20. And in the assembly, which is really the House of Reps, uh, 102 to 47. And it'll mm-hmm. head to um, the governor, uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, desk for her signature next week. So what are your initial thoughts to saying that there's already been some sort of government response to mass shootings. So I do want to point out that um, the the governor's actually already signed this as of I believe uh, Monday yesterday. Okay. Uh, Good. So so yeah. So it's it's these are official state laws. I mean the age limit was one. They you know enacted some other things which we'll talk about. But yeah, that's that's done, set in stone. It's it's happened. Yes, and definitely it's a reaction to the Buffalo shooter, because uh, one of the other things they enacted also was that civilians can no longer purchase bulletproof vests, which I believe the Buffalo shooter had one uh, had one on. So they said, you know what, we're going to raise the age limit to 21 to buy a semi-automatic weapon anyway. Uh, shoot Buffalo shooter, I believe it was 18, and then he had a vest on, so can't wear a vest. Um, some may say that it is a reactionary off of emotion, which is why it's probably why it's probably not a good thing. Again, in their opinion, but the fact that they also pushed through within three weeks after that that event goes to show that, in some way, shape, or form, a governmental body can act and act quickly, even when it's a I don't want to say time of emergency, but even when it's in response to an event like this. Again, also Buffalo shooter here. We can talk about Uvalde shootings in Iowa, Philadelphia now apparently as well. Same thing. Now, yes, I know that the governmental structure when it comes to making laws is way different at the state level, be it New York or otherwise, compared to the federal level. But still, this is an, an attempt to do something. And people may also say, well, it's not really going to stop anything from happening because of this, that, or the other. Okay, maybe true. But that's still not an excuse to do nothing. Just because it, oh, it wouldn't stop anything, okay. Well, doing nothing is, is better. No, and I find it quite interesting. And like I said, it's long party lines, but I find it quite interesting that that on one level, basically sixty. Well, no, not one level. On both levels, sixty-seven people decided. Well, I'm not going to pr- approve this. I will, for, other than the obvious of money and lobby, gun lobbies and stuff like that, what reason would you have to vote against that? I, I don't get that. Please explain that to me. Any, anybody, well, yeah, like, um, yeah. If, if anybody from the New York, you know, lawmaking system who voted against that wants to let us know something about why they voted against it, please, feel, uh, feel free. Let, let us know. Do that. But to me, it, it's a start. It's better than nothing. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna let you jump back in. The only thing that I say it falls short on is why stop it at semi-automatic weapons. Why make it nobody who's 18 can buy a gun at all, handgun or otherwise? The, the fact of the matter is, and I mentioned this to you before, as well as other people, now that people didn't know this, obviously the legal drinking age in this country is 21. 
Yeah, you can buy a gun at 18. You can go fight in a war and die for this country at 18. You can buy cigarettes at 16. So many other things that can actually happen at 13 or whatever the age may be. But yet, but yet you can't drink till you're 21, though. Which I believe that makes sense. But the fact that you can actually buy a weapon that's designed to kill somebody, you can buy that at 18. Beer's not meant, it's not designed to kill anybody. Obviously, it can. Drinking too much can result in killing somebody else, yes. But guns are actually designed to kill. To kill. That's what they're designed for. But yeah, I can buy one at 18, but I can't drink till 21. Unless I go fight in the military, then you'll give me a gun then. So, yeah, I'd say why stop and semi-automatic weapons? Which, again, I know, like you said, is reactionary to the Buffalo shooting. Why should any 18-year-old be able to buy a gun at all? Or possess, or, or, possess, or possess one. That's the other part of law, possessing it too. Go ahead. Well, you're talking about the ability to own effectively on your own as an 18-year-old versus, oh, you know, being able to to possess it, have it in your possession, but somebody else owns it. Um, that's and that's a fine point. Uh, but I was gonna, but I was going to focus on what you brought up, which is why, and you brought up a range of of age limits, um, for the ability to do or not do certain things in our culture. Um, and I think the biggest reason why there's always been the the green light to do these things at 18 is because oh well it's a rite of passage uh we talked a little bit about this in a, in a previous episode those who decide they want to hunt for sport now that sounds good on paper you know it sounds good as a soundbite but the only thing i see really happening right now that are being hunted for sport are defenseless women and children and men in our society. That's what I see. And I'm not even in like, like I've, 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 I've shot a gun. Um, I definitely see some of the allure to it. Uh, I may even want to own a gun sometime down the road, but the difference is I'm 42. I'm not 18. And you talked about it's it's ironic that someone could say that New York lawmakers were being emotional and they acted hastily three weeks after citizens in their municipality were murdered. Got a lot of fucking nerve, not you, but people who would say this that those lawmakers acted hastily. The investigation is pretty much complete. They know everything about that shooter right now. They know everything about the victims. Emotional and hastily is what that shooter was. Unhinged is what that shooter was. This was a well-measured response. At least someone's trying to do something. They didn't just offer up thoughts and prayers. There are no sure things, okay? The next mass shooter, unfortunately, hell, could be 21. Hell, they could be 31. They could be 41. They could be 81. That's not an excuse for your local politicians to get off scot-free and do nothing. 
They should be doing something in New York. They should be doing something in Texas. They're already doing shit in Illinois. So don't even go there, people. Those are my initial thoughts. Um, other thoughts that I had is that, one, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that it's not just about um, uh, the firearms, but it's also about the fact that you got people walking out here with bulletproof vests and shit thinking they're, uh, they're Rambo out here. Go ahead. Out of curiosity, what is it, uh, Illinois doing? I mean, I don't know if there's something specific that they're doing or just something they were already already doing. I, I don't to know. Greg, to Greg Abbott's point, point, Illinois has some of the strictest rules about what you can do with a firearm, and despite some of our best efforts in this state, it's still happening. Yeah, but that wasn't the flex that you thought it was, Greg Abbott. The point, uh, the point was, okay, at least Illinois is a state that's trying to do something. Not Texas is a state ran by a fucking lunatic that's just going to placate people because he doesn't even want to entertain the notion that it might be a problem with the immediate access to firearms by young people. Okay. Thank you for expounding on that. I appreciate that. Um now, with New York doing this, obviously, and not to say New York's the only state to take action when it comes to gun reform, but I think that's probably what it's going to take is each state stepping up on their own. Now, obviously, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be any symbiosis between all 50 states. They're not all going to have the same thing. And we're all definitely not going to have all 50 states to do any kind of gun reform. We just mentioned Texas. They're not going to do nothing. And I probably love Oklahoma, Florida, and Georgia in that, too. But... But it's going to be able to each state to do this because we're never going to get a federal. And I don't never say never, but we're not likely going to get any federal reform when it comes to guns. Because like you just said, with the New York thing, it's going to be voted upon party lines. And it's probably never going to be voted on high enough to say, oh, we passed it. We got enough. We got a high enough percentage. Because it's too much of a divided issue based on political lines. And that also goes into another thing. That I want to go down when it comes to the, the real division with this country is political lines, which is a problem. For example, perfect example is this: people are choosing to vote based on their party as opposed to what their what their brain and their and <clears throat> their heart. Excuse me. I know people might say, "Well, you shouldn't be voting on things based on your heart." Well, I might disagree with that. I think this is I think this issue is one that you probably should be using your heart in in combination with your head. Those two working together with all the individuals voting on this stuff should be suffice when it comes to getting something done. As opposed to the do nothing attitude because the other side hasn't come up with anything. And again, I say, well, what have you done? Taking Even taking your party line out of it, what have you personally done? And I'll say that to anybody, whatever, whatever party, quote unquote, you follow, what have you done? If you have any power to, to do something. But also, too, I guess with the citizens, too, it falls on you. Like I said last week, if we all, as a majority, speak up loudly enough that we want some change, it will change. But there's too many gun nuts in this country. And I, yes, I said gun nuts in this country. They're so afraid to get their guns taken away that anything close to any kind of reform to make things potentially safer, they're not even going to listen to it. There's a problem. 
And that is a problem. It's interesting, too, because New York also passed a law when it comes to um, uh, new bullets have to be tracked in a certain way. They have to have some type of thing in them where they're tracked to make it easier for investigators to, you know, figure out the scene of a crime, things like that. So that's pretty cool, too. Um, but, yeah, that that's that's really the problem here. There's too many people willing to do nothing because of their political party or they're just scared they're going to get their guns taken away. Which, again, as I point out, is not going to happen. No one's going to come knocking on your door to get your gun taken away. Short of you being a criminal, which at what point you, you should have it taken away forever. But it is what it is. But uh, maybe one day at some point we'll see more states doing this to step up in place of the, of the federal government not doing anything. But as much as I despise New York for other sorts of things, kudos to them for doing something, even if it just serves their own state. Oh, well, good for them. Yeah, I I don't know if for many, many of those who own guns, and we're seeing this in Texas, Matthew McConaughey, all people, Uvalde's own. Saying, listen, I grew up in gun culture, dog. I get it. I get it. Is how we were raised. But the 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 fact that you either can't or won't do anything is unacceptable. And I don't want to hold out hope that national regulation won't come into play. And listen, that particular option deserves every bit of skepticism because hell look how hard it was to get any sort of healthcare legislation passed on the national level we weren't even talking about bullets then so but the moral of the story for me is okay at least new york did something they tried to do something they didn't try and thoughts and prayers us to death like greg abbott did God knows New York has an assortment of problems, but at least they didn't do that. For that, they at least get a tip of the cap. All right. That concludes our first segment on uh, New York gun regulation. Uh, coming up next, we'll be talking about the LeBron James Billionaire Club. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros. Terrence, Jason. How is it that we are now 60 episodes deep in the Cal Park Bros podcast and we don't even have any Cal Park Bros merchandise to go along with that discussion last week of name, image, and likeness? I mean, imagine a shirt with the Cal Park Bros on it. We'd sell out quickly because, I mean, let's face it, Cal Park Bros are two good looking fellers. Now, Let's imagine we put like hashtag fuckery or hashtag hopper. We're going to sell even more. You know what else we can probably sell a lot of? Coffee mugs. People love coffee. Maybe even doormats. I don't know. I'm not a merchandise, you know, guy. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm throwing the ideas out there. You guys figure it out. Anyways, congratulations. 60 episodes in. Let's work on getting them t-shirts, man. I want to rock a Cal Park Bros t-shirt. Anyways, let's get this podcast rolling. See ya. Welcome back to Cal Park Bros. Jason and I are fresh off the subject of New York take, taking on uh, gun control. 
raising the legal purchase age to 21. Damn it, at least try something. In this second segment, we're going to be talking about a different type of club, different type of ownership, different type of level. And LeBron, while he is not in the playoffs, womp womp, uh, he is making some news on the on the business side of town, uh, becoming the first active na- National Basketball Association player to become a billionaire. Jason, I know you aren't exactly the biggest fan of LeBron James, uh, and I'm probably a bigger fan of him by default just because you really don't care for him. But his business acumen is legit. Like, I mean, even even his supposedly worst business deal, the decision still made him money. So <laughs> the fact that he's the first active uh, billionaire in the National Basketball Association, it's not all that surprising, right? No, it's not surprising. I mean, if it's going, it can't really be anybody else. I mean, maybe Steph Curry one day might do it, but he hasn't been in the league long enough and his star power isn't big enough, which we'll talk about that too. But yeah, got to be him. Can't be surprised. Now, according to Forbes, uh, LeBron's basketball career has brought in a little bit uh, just shy of $400 million. But the basketball money notwithstanding, it's all of his endorsement money from Nike, Walmart, Beats, and Blaze Pizza Chain. He's a long way from that from that Hummer that he got when he was 18. I wonder if he still has that. <laughs> Now, because we can't have a LeBron discussion without having a Jordan comparison, right? Michael Jordan currently sits at about $1.7 billion in terms of total worth. And that includes the Nike money, the Gatorade money, the Haynes money, and also the Charlotte Hornets basketball team. So, LeBron, you got a ways to go, but not a bad start. Not a bad start, kid. Wink, wink. Now, you mentioned star power in relation to LeBron, and I think you were comparison, comparing him to Steph Curry. Uh, why do you feel, well, one, it's, it's LeBron heads and tails above everybody, right? And so why do you feel that someone like a Steph Curry or even other players like Kevin Durant don't have that level of star power. Uh, well, okay. So this goes a little bit into conversation that I think you and I may have started before when it comes to superstar status, when it comes to probably really anybody, but talking about LeBron, is LeBron a billionaire because he's a superstar or is he a superstar because he's a billionaire? But the reason why I mentioned Steph Curry, so one thing with LeBron James is he has – Again, this is part of his superstardom. His face is very recognizable to people who aren't even basketball fans. His name is recognizable to people who aren't basketball fans, right? Not long ago, I was playing Trivial Pursuit, and and the person I was playing, uh, they admittedly aren't basketball fans. The only sport they like is football. So the question that that came up when I was reading it, I knew automatically they would just they would know the answer, but they would guess. One name, LeBron James. That was the answer to the question. So they got it right. People know LeBron James even just from his face if you're not a basketball fan. I put Steph Curry in the same category 
probably right now because of all the winning he's been doing, the fact that he's been in the finals so much the last eight years, his face is very recognizable. People know who he is. And that's why that was the first thing I thought of because I think as far as superstar status, I think they're, I think Steph Curry is probably the closest to LeBron. Not to say he's as good, not to say he's that close to LeBron in regards to playing on the court. I think KD might still have a run at being the number two spot. But I'm not sure how how much how 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 much Kevin Durant's face is recognizable beyond people who are basketball fans, the casual fans, or even less than that. You know what I mean? So that's why Steph Curry. That's why I kind of want to make that make that uh, that comparison, the superstar level. Now, obviously, Steph Curry is not a billionaire yet, but he may get there because he just hasn't been been around long enough. Yes, like you mentioned, the basketball money from LeBron isn't even a fourth fully of that billionaire status he has now. It's not even a fourth of it. It's all from business ventures and endorsements. Steph Curry has endorsements. I know he had, well, at least his wife has business uh, business ventures as well, but he's not there yet. And that's also another reason why I say, hey, is LeBron a billionaire because of his superstar status, the level of his superstar status? Now, yes, it is business acumen too, but again, there's plenty of other businessmen in the, in the league there's other superstars in the league who have money, but they're not billionaires. So I, I, I truly believe that his superstar status is the reason why he's a billionaire, not the other way around. Okay. Um, what's the difference? Like you're saying that those are basically two different things. Like it's the chicken or the egg. Um, like, can you kind of explain how the correlation between him being a billionaire because he's a superstar, not necessarily him being a superstar that led to him being a billionaire. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so like I was saying his superstar level, again, clarifying his level of superstar status is why he's a billionaire. Just because you're a billionaire, don't make you a superstar. Right now. Cause like, well, and this may not be the best comparison. Obviously you mentioned Michael Jordan, who currently is also a billionaire. But he didn't gain that until after his playing days are over. Obviously, the the Jordan money helps definitely being an owner of an NBA team helped get him there. But he didn't do all that while he was playing. Now, partially, obviously, when he was playing, huge difference when it comes to salaries and what people are getting paid. I think I think Jordan was like a landmark back then when it, just because he was getting 20 million a year. Now I got Steph Curry making double that plus a season. Right. So that may be part of it too. I mean, obviously, he obviously LeBron wouldn't be a billionaire without that four hundred million he was getting from from the NBA, or have or has gotten from the NBA, whatever. But that's kind of what I was saying is that 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 superstar level status can get you to the billionaire level, but you're not a billionaire just because you're a superstar, you know. And you're not and being and having a billion bucks doesn't make you a superstar. But I think the fact that we're talking about the whole package for LeBron, that's what got him there. Um, now I'll see we might see the Brown play for another four years. We'll see what happens in that time frame. Can I get the two billion? Probably. Blaze Pizza ain't going out of business, folks. So he's going he's gonna he's gonna be making that money. I don't think he's gonna close the gap on Jordan by the time he retires, but I think uh, uh, I mean uh, it, it, I, I I respect you know dissenting opinions here on Calvar Rose. Uh but realistically. He's got four years left. He just got to a billion. 
Now, I will say you you were saying that he's only, you know, I say only, only a half a million behind Jordan right now. You said LeBron's at 1.2, you said Jordan was 1.7, right? Right, but that can also fluctuate. So the worth can fluctuate. Right. And 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 for both of them. And and so it's just something fun to kind of gallivant about and fixate on anyway, because True. they'll never play each other uh, ever again. Well, well, we're not talking about that. But what, well, what I will say, though, is because of the fact that LeBron is still active in sports, that's going to keep his name out there. The fact that people, young basketball fans right now, know LeBron. They may know Jordan, but they never saw him play. So that's kind of where I think some of the difference is. Jordan's, Jordan's avenues to probably make, start making more money are probably fairly, I hate saying this, pretty limited. Whereas LeBron still can still do other things because he's still playing. He still has that star level right now. The next young thing hasn't come taking his shine away because he's still LeBron's still on the court. Now, once LeBron retires, we'll see what happens when it comes to other people. With Steph still being in the league, where does Luka Doncic go? You know, if he gets, you know, where he's going to be in the next, you know, 15, 20 years, if he's still playing that 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 time frame. But and, that, and that's the advantage of LeBron because he has been the best player in the league for so long, and you can argue whether he's still that or not. But the fact that he's still in the conversation at the very least, whether he's in the playoffs or not, it doesn't matter. That's the superstar level of LeBron. The fact that no matter where he goes, whatever city he's playing in, where, no matter what team he's playing for, the arena's going to sell out because LeBron's coming to town. I remember when I was working for the Pacers in that time frame, talking to some of the higher-ups, the ticket people, whatnot, and they said there's always three games every year that they can always 100% count on to be sold out no matter what, no matter what. The LeBron game or games, the Warriors and KD. They said they can always count on those every year to sell out. And, and the time I was there, they're absolutely right. Those games sold out with the quitters, the first games to do so. Part of that is the superstar status of LeBron. People want to come see LeBron. There are plenty of good players in the league, plenty of great players, but there's has to be that, that separation. Who are the elite of the elite players in the league? And I think that's a huge part of it, that draw power. Who's going to sell out arenas when they're on the road? For example, Jimmy Butler. Great player. Having a great finals. Definitely probably elevated, elevated his status just a little bit there. Are people selling out arenas to go see Jimmy Butler play? Do people rec- even recognize Jimmy Butler if they're not a basketball fan, if they saw him on TV? And, I, and I'm not saying a lot of Jimmy Butler because I can name a whole lot of other great players that are like that too. But I think that's the huge difference there. And that's the level of star power. Only, only really a select few people have that power. And probably just th- the three guys that I just named. And LeBron, career-wise, has been has had the best one so far, the three of them. So. I also think it's the trajectory. I mean, name another athlete that was hyped as hell before they turned 18. Well, none because of again, even with media it was different when LeBron in in O two ish area compared change to change media in eighty. Right. I'm not going to go into that, but but yeah, compared to 2002, compared to eighty two when Jordan was kind of you know coming in and whatnot, media was totally different. The hype was different. High school games weren't even considered to be thought of to be played on ESPN. Now you could argue, like as you just did, that that probably changed with LeBron because of the hype. He was going to be the guy that was challenged to take over Jordan as the greatest of all time. 
Some would say he did that. Some would obviously argue that he didn't or can't, which is what it is. But yeah, but that's but that's why you know all the hype there was because of that. Now obviously some of that yeah was definitely I shouldn't say some definitely a lot of that was his you know the ceiling. You know people like saying which he had obviously clearly a high ceiling. But yeah, I mean. What, what 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 was it? Two thousand? What year did Kobe? It was ninety six. Okay, so it's still seven years difference. Even when Kobe came out, as good as good as people thought he was, he didn't get that same hype. Media does play a role in that, you know. Even though it's only seven years, look at it like this: two thousand six. I believe we're only two years into Facebook. Actually, no, they weren't even around yet. So there you go. Yeah, sorry, got my years backed up, I mixed up there. So ninety six, Facebook wasn't even a thing. It wasn't a thing yet until 2004, so LeBron just got drafted. But still, we were getting towards that. MySpace was a thing, I'm sure, which I'm not sure, you know, how much he was on MySpace. But, yeah, definitely a huge difference there. He was uh, still on so, Friendster. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it'd be, it'd be very curious to see what happens to the next superstar, from the United States at least, who has that high of a ceiling next. I mean, obviously, Luka is getting killed in the league now, but with him not being a United States superstar – it's kind of hard to measure out how that really is going to play out when it comes to media attention. So we'll see what happens with the next U.S.-based star in basketball and go from there. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, number one, to see how LeBron's marketability changes as he, you know, sunsets, you know, a stellar Hall of Fame career. But name a guy who's better built to pivot to retirement. Hell, this whole L.A. deal where he was playing for the Lakers is really just one big understudy move for him to set up for his next move after basketball anyway. Which which I, I still find interesting is like, OK. Obviously, he didn't really have to do that because, again, it's it's, 20, it's a 20. Well, he went there a few years ago, so it was 2020, 2019, whatever you want to put it. I kind of feel like it really doesn't matter where the hell you live. I mean, at least for LeBron, if he stayed in Cleveland, I'm pretty sure that he still could have made plenty of money doing whatever he wanted to do because people would still come to him because it's LeBron. Now, obviously, obviously other factors could play into, you know, when it comes to Cleveland versus Los Angeles. I don't think I need to spell that out when it comes to whatever you want to talk about. But as far as his business dealings, you can do all that stuff in Cleveland or, or wherever wherever he was going to want to play in. So uh, I think that Atlanta was probably just more of you know personal convenience, let alone business stuff. But yeah, it's a it's a wonderful billionaire bow on a Hall of Fame career. It ain't done yet. All right, that concludes our segment on the LeBron James Billionaire Boys Club. Uh, coming up next, we'll be talking about the Proud Boys finally getting done in by uh, Axis Edition. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros.
welcome back, Cal Park Bros. Jason and I are fresh out the segment discussing uh, LeBron James' ascension into the Billionaire Boys Club. Jason does not like to refer to this as BBC. Jason apparently has never also heard of Austin Powers. <laughs> referring to <laughs> what's your issue with the British, British Broadcasting Company, dog? No comment. <laughs> uh, it's only entertainment. All right. In the third and final segment of episode 60, uh, unfortunately, we're not too proud to bring this up yet again because we got to talk about the Proud Boys. And there was an update from the Justice Department on Monday uh, where the Proud Boys, the head of the Proud Boys, Enrique Terrio, and four of the leaders uh, were charged with seditious conspiracy in the January 6th U.S. Capitol attack, uh, escalating the criminal case against the far-right extremist group. This, uh, I feel like we've been dancing around, or not we've been dancing around, I feel like the Justice Department has been kind of teasing this out for like, I don't know, at least a year. I haven't really heard of any like legit charges brought against uh, the Proud Boys, uh, but the Proud Boys have been around. Um, that bullshit in Charlottesville. They were there. Um, but in the case of the January 6th riot, uh, prosecutors accused five defendants of working together to intimidate members of Congress and law enforcement and prompt them to flee thereby preventing them from performing their official duties. Um, in this update, uh, there were text messages revealed from Enrique Terrio, where he appears to compare the attack on the U.S. Capitol to the Winter Palace, uh, the home of the Russian emperor, which was stormed during the Russian Re- Revolution in 1917. Now, the four men charged alongside Terrio in the indictment are Ed- Ethan Nordin, uh, the sergeant at arms and president of his local chapter. I wonder if he pledged graduate. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Joseph Biggs, <laughs> Zachary Rule, and Dominic Pizzola. New York proud boy that goes by spaz. Now, they were previously indicted on less serious conspiracy charges before. And that explains why we probably haven't brought them up in a previous episode because we are really waiting for the big shoe to drop. So what Jason, what are your thoughts about (laughs) it? It's embarrassing that we still have to deal with the fallout from January 6th. Like it's insane. We're going to be damn near two years out and we're still going to be talking about shit like this because every day we find out something new and disgusting. So um, you mentioned that the boys will say, not to be confused with the boys on the Amazon Prime show, those are actual heroes, such as they are. But, uh, but yeah, so you mentioned that they were previously charged with lesser conspiracy charges, which they pled not guilty. So what they were charged with most recently is, at the federal level, seditious conspiracy. You mentioned also the text messages were kind of what led to them being charged. Now, I do want to point out, per an article from CNN and from New York Times, they do mention that it can be hard to convict on seditious conspiracy um, based on certain factors. But I have to imagine that they even brought the charges against them. They probably have a pretty good 
mindset that think they can actually win the case. I'm sure they're not about wasting time for no reason. If they are convicted of these things, it has a maximum sentence, not minimum, but but maximum sentence of 20 years. Now, again, I had to say I, I'd be surprised, one, if they do, are found guilty of this stuff. That wouldn't be as surprising, but I would be very surprised if they actually got, got the full 20. But I guess it depends on how people look at it, because if I'm not mistaken, didn't somebody like on the governmental side die in those riots, like a security guard or something like that? Um, I could be wrong about that because I feel like if they were, they could be charged with more than just a conspiracy. Um, I know people from the uh, from the, uh, the 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 gate stormer side definitely passed away, but but my thoughts are this is kind of I don't want to put it in the same vein as COVID, but it's definitely something I had no interest in talking about unless a shoe like this dropped. It's one thing for them to them to go to court and put charges up and convict people who were, were you know, just there acting and acting, you know, want storming the gate and getting like six months a year in prison. But this is kind of the big one. They're going after the leader, their top lieutenants, which, which most police authorities, that's what they go for when it comes to any criminal organization. And I'm sorry if anybody gets mad that I call them a criminal organization after this, they are. That's what they go after. They go after the leaders, the lieutenants, the second, the sergeant at arms, things like that. And that's what they're doing, and that's why we're talking about this. Is 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 because of it's a big shoot. And I know last week I even said we usually don't bring bring up stuff unless it's like a, it's a finished product. Well, this isn't a finished product, but it's a step in the right direction that's still warning us bringing it up. But yeah, I mean, we'll see where this goes. Um, again, they were charged with lesser conspiracy. You know, stuff earlier, which obviously they're going to take that to court because they played not guilty. I don't know if that's going to be kind of done at the same time. Perhaps not. But this, and I, I agree with you that it's amazing that it's been almost a year and a half and it's still a thing. But if you think about the, of the sheer magnitude, not only when it comes to what was done, but how many people are involved. So if we look at it that way, then it really shouldn't be that surprising that it's going to take this long of a time frame and probably a lot longer for this to see an end when it comes to everybody that's going to be charged, charged with a crime for what happened gets charged, gets their day in court if they, if they have one, and see an end to that, 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 those court proceedings for those individuals. Which for these guys, like you said, they pled not guilty. So who knows when the, I think they said uh, this week they, they're doing court again. But if it goes to full length of a court trial, who knows how, how long that's going to last? There's going to be more charges for other people after this based off what happens. So it's amazing. Yes, it's taking this long, but you can't really be that surprised based off of the sheer magnitude of the event and multiple perspectives and combined with how our judicial system works here in the United States. It's not, it's not always a quick uh, process. Which is what it is. But we'll see what happens with it to these individuals. Like I said in the articles, it's not easy to convict on these charges. So, But again, if you're somebody looking or hoping that the worst happens to these guys, then the fact that they're willing to take it to court in the first place or be taken to court in the first place for this, then that might say a lot. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm not. Again, I'm, I'm big on due process. Big on due process. 
I'm not trying to fast track this. I'm not trying to insinuate that people shouldn't have their day in court. But the writing's been on the wall for some of these assholes for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, keep in mind, though, sometimes, I mean, I'm not sure if you watch like lawyer shows and stuff like that. Sometimes you got to build a case, right? Sometimes you might have an order of steps. Hey, let's take care of this stuff first, and then we'll build up a case on these guys, knowing what's coming, because all this stuff is happening. Okay. Okay. You say this might happen? Let's go get some proof of that. You say this happened? Let's get proof of that. Oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Let's get proof of that. And they might say, I want, we want all these shoes to drop before we try to bring up convictions or rather bring up charges on, on this for these guys. And maybe that's why it's taking so long. I mean, look at all the people who've been to court and, and jailed, not the Proud Boy guys, but in general, people who stormed the gates will say, how long has it been taken for them to get their days in court, let alone, again, these guys. So it's a lot of people, dog. A lot of people. So. No doubt. No, I. I feel like with every passing year, that, and I think, you, you, Jason, you brought up a good point, is building up a case. Some of these people are, 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 are rolling over for their friends. That too. Like, a lot of this intel ain't just falling in people's laps. It's falling on people's laps because people, because people on the side of the law are applying pressure. Exactly, exactly. Of all the people that stormed the gates, even though they're criminals for doing what they did, guess what? From a lawyer standpoint or a police standpoint, you got to look at it as these are potential witnesses too. They were there. They saw what happened from the inside perspective. And some of them don't want to go to jail for this stuff. And those are the people that, that you can target to, to flip on the people that you really want, people in power, i.e. the leader and his lieutenants. Exactly. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. Well, it's another sad day in America where uh, these, these supposed freedom fighters are going to have a hell of a lot of explaining to do. I'll take it when you say sad day that you're being sarcastic. So uh, I was. I was. Yeah, I, I caught on. I'm, I'm getting smart. You are. Proud of you. Finally. See what I did there? <laughs> on uh, that note. Ah, uh, jeez. Ah, well. Well, that concludes our third segment on the the proud the proud boys uh, dealing with sedition <laughs> crimes. And coming up, we'll wrap up the show.
Thank you for listening to the Cowpark Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed the episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also reach us at the CPB voicemail via phone at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message is going to end up on a future episode of this year's podcast. Jason, final thoughts for the people. Final thoughts are, man, hey, another good episode in the books. Episode 60, son. The six zero, getting it there, son. Not that long ago we were doing episode 50 and 52, but here we are. But hey, it was a good episode, folks. Hopefully you loved it. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you did, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Make sure you connect with us on social media. You know where to find us, Calpart Bros or Calpart Bros Podcast. Don't forget we drop our audio episodes every Thursday. So listen out for that for CalpartBros.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. But also don't forget as well, as of right now, we drop our video segments every Monday on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you haven't checked that out yet, definitely go do that. Episode 59 was dropped yesterday. Again, check that out. Make sure you're being a very good Cal Park Bro, Cal Park Bro stalker and a Cal Park Bro nerd. It's important. Live it, love it, do it, folks. You know what it is. When it's that time, it's time for the catchphrase, the hashtag, and that line. Say it with me, folks. When it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, all things. Make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? With that said, this is Cal Park Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?